Hello and welcome back to the adventures of Lola Badiola. In the last chapter, we discovered J.J. Thompson's deep concerns about the current state of the company. In this chapter, we're going to find out a little bit more about the personal lives of Lola and her best friend Concha. Here we go. The Adventures of Lola Badiola, Chapter 41 Richard Gear. Lola arrived back at her apartment in Malasagna at 9pm. She had gone for a quick drink with Gonzalo following their meeting. They both needed to wind down after the discussion about finances. Lola decided to keep the news of the civil lawsuit from her mother for the time being. The involvement of Perla Manchon would only add melodrama to the story. Lola needed time to think clearly and independently. As she inserted the key into the front door, she heard a familiar voice behind her. Hey, Concha, what are you doing here? It's St. Valentine's Day and I'm your date. What? What do you fancy? Chinese, Indian, there's a new Lebanese around the corner. Concha was in one of her irrepressible moods and Lola decided to go with the flow. Neither of them had partners in tow, so it seemed like a good idea. Concha was not only a great teller of anecdotes and jokes, but she was also a patient listener. This would be an opportunity for Lola to externalize all her thoughts and ideas. It would help her clarify a way forward. Lebanese. Perfect. Marouche, the new restaurant on the corner of Carantha and Monteleon, was packed with 30-somethings who lived locally. The noise, colour and smells of the place were intoxicating. The two friends ordered a selection of breads, sauces and meats from the menu. Do you prefer red or white wine? asked Lola. I'm not drinking tonight. No? Actually, I'm not drinking for the next seven months. Lola looked up from the wine menu. No way! she screamed. Yes way! I visited the doctor this morning. I can't believe it. Lola jumped out of her chair and gave Concha the hug of her life. I'm so happy for you both. She felt tears of happiness streaming down from her eyes. Does Eugenio know? Yeah, I managed to contact him somewhere in the wilderness. It was the most wonderful news that Lola could have imagined. Her two friends had been trying for ages to get pregnant. She was convinced that they were both going to be amazing parents. For the next hour, the two women planned the birth, education and marriage of the unborn baby. If he was a boy, he would be tall like his father, attain a basketball scholarship to Yale University, marry young and have half a dozen children. If she was a girl, she would be petite but powerful, start her own online business and win the Nobel Peace Prize. As the dishes of Lebanese delights came and went, they discussed all the activities that the pregnant couple would need to complete in preparation for the new arrival, until eventually they ran out of ideas and Concha changed the subject. Hey, I saw your mum yesterday. Oh, does she have a new man in her life? I don't think so. Why? I was stuck in some traffic on Serrano and I saw her walking into a restaurant with a Richard Gere lookalike. <laughs> Richard Gere? Yeah, you know, tall, confident, silver hair, old but extremely sexy. Lola burst into laughter. My mum has a few companions, but I don't think any of them are serious. Perla Manchon was a businesswoman and a socialite. 
When she wasn't overseeing the activities of Grupo Badiola as the chairman of the board, she was attending charity events, modern art exhibitions and fashion shows. If there was a party featured in Orla magazine, Perla would have an invitation for it, often accompanied by an eligible CEO, aristocrat or intellectual. Lola wasn't concerned about her mother at that moment. She had more pressing matters on her mind that she needed to talk about. She was no longer speaking to a therapist, so Concha was the next best thing. Listen, Concha, I'm in a bit of trouble at the moment. Really? Tell me about it. For the next two hours, Lola and her best friend discussed everything that was happening in Lola's professional life. The article in CyberStory magazine, the interview with Interpol, the lawsuit from Texpania, the rejection by Banco Cantabrico, and the office politics of Cayetano Tolosa. Concha listened carefully, offering sympathy and advice, firing Lola up when she sounded depressed, spurring her on when she sounded unsure. It helped Lola release the pressure that had been building up for the previous two weeks. It helped her to put things into perspective. But it didn't solve any of the fundamental problems. How was she going to succeed at J-Block? How was she going to respond to the lawsuit from Texpania? How was she going to protect the future of Grupo Badiola? The two women were so engrossed in their conversation that they were unaware that the restaurant had emptied and they were the last two customers. The waiter asked them if they would like some chupitos on the house, but they hadn't had a single drop of alcohol all evening, so they politely declined and asked for the bill. Why don't you sleep over at my place tonight? I'd love to, but I've got a busy day tomorrow. Okay, well, come over this weekend. Sure. The two women walked arm in arm through the pedestrian streets of Malasagna. There were still plenty of people wandering from one bar to another, impervious to the cold, dry air of the February night. There was no better city in the world than Madrid to go out with friends or lovers. There was no better country than Spain to get pregnant and start a family. Lola was reminded of the important things in life, and for a moment her troubles seemed very far away. So you really think my mum is dating Richard Gere? A Spanish version? <laughs> Even better, said Lola with a smile. Okay, let's start off this class by analyzing a few phrasal verbs. In fact, we're going to cover five advanced phrasal verbs over the next few minutes. Here's the first one. She had gone for a quick drink with Gonzalo following their meeting. They both needed to wind down after the discussion about finances. To wind down. This is a typical phrasal verb used at the end of a day's work or at the end of a stressful period in your life. It essentially means to relax, to release all the pressure and the stress surrounding you. Are you able to wind down at the end of the week so that you can enjoy the weekend with your friends and family? Okay, in the next sentence, we have two very interesting phrasal verbs. So listen carefully. Here we go. Concha listened carefully, offering sympathy and advice, firing Lola up when she sounded depressed, spurring her on when she sounded unsure. To fire up and to spur on 
are very closely connected. Let's start off by discussing the phrasal verb to fire up. It means to motivate, to inspire, to make somebody feel passionate or emotional about something. You might need to fire up your team after a disappointing quarter. Or you might need to fire up your teenage kids when they're sitting on the sofa watching TikTok videos. The second related phrasal verb is to spur on. Now, a spur is a metal instrument that a cowboy has on the end of his boots. And when he wants his horse to accelerate or to move forwards, he will press the spurs into the side of the horse. He will spur on the horse. Likewise, if you want to encourage somebody to move forwards, to keep going, or even to accelerate, you will spur them on. Okay, here's another more common phrasal verb. Have a listen to this. There was no better city in the world than Madrid to go out with friends or lovers. To go out specifically means to meet with friends or family outside of your house. For example, it could be at a bar or a club or the cinema. It is closely related to the phrasal verb to eat out, which means you meet with friends and family in order to have lunch or dinner at a restaurant. How often do you go out with your friends? Will you be eating out this weekend? Last weekend, we ate out at a restaurant called Ichiban in Chamartin, towards the centre of Madrid. And in this restaurant, Japanese chefs prepare the food in front of you on enormous grills right in the centre of the restaurant. It is a spectacular mix of fragrant food, flashing knives and red-hot flames. And the restaurant is popular with Spanish celebrities. In fact, while we were there, one of my wife's favourite pop stars from the 1980s sat down at the table next to us with his entourage. He was almost two metres tall, with piercing green eyes. And one of his first major hits was Amor Mediterraneo or Mediterranean love. Now, you can probably imagine how distracted Marino was by his charismatic presence. For our Spanish listeners, you've probably guessed that it was indeed Bertin Osborne. For our non-Spanish listeners, next time you're in Madrid, make sure you visit Ichiban for more than just exquisite Japanese food, it's also the opportunity to do a little bit of celebrity spotting. Okay, let's move on to some common expressions. Here's the first one. Concha was in one of her irrepressible moods, and Lola decided to go with the flow. To go with the flow 
That is a very pleasant sounding expression. It sounds good because it rhymes. And it basically means that you are relaxed and willing to accept the circumstances in which you find yourself. You are willing to accept the decisions of others. You're going to go with the flow. Rather than suggesting alternatives or trying to convince others of a different plan. Are you someone who likes to go with the flow? Or do you prefer to lead the way? Okay, here's another expression. Marouche, the new restaurant on the corner of Caranza and Monteleon, was packed with 30-somethings who lived locally. 30-somethings. These are people who are in their 30s, between the ages of 30 and 39. You could also use the expression 20-somethings for a group of people more or less in their 20s and 40-somethings for people who are in their 40s, etc., etc. Okay, here's another interesting expression. Listen to this sentence again. I was stuck in some traffic on Serrano and I saw her walking into a restaurant with a Richard Gere lookalike. Richard Gere? Yeah, you know, tall, confident, silver hair, old but extremely sexy. A lookalike is simply someone that has a very similar appearance to someone else. Now, normally that other person is a famous person or a celebrity or someone that we know and that we can recognize. So sometimes there are lookalike competitions where people pretend to be that famous person or that celebrity that they resemble in order to win money. And you can hire lookalikes to attend your party and they will behave as if they were the actual celebrity. There is a wonderful German word that we use in English that means a similar thing. And the word is doppelganger. It translates literally as double walker. And in old German folklore, living creatures were believed to have a spirit double, an evil twin. However, today, doppelganger is a generic term that we use as a synonym for a lookalike. Now, considering there are 8 billion people in the world, it is likely that at least one of them looks very similar to you. At least one of them is your lookalike. At least one of them is your doppelganger. And there's a Canadian photographer called Francois Brunel, and he spent 12 years tracking down real-life doppelgangers for a photo project. So you can go to his website, and you can see photos of people who are completely unrelated, but look almost like identical twins. It's really quite weird. Now, in our story, Concha says that she saw Lola's mother with a Richard Gere lookalike. I'm assuming that you know who Richard Gere is. 
He's the main character in Pretty Woman, An Officer and a Gentleman, and the infamous 1980s drama American Gigolo. He is a very well-known American actor. And I wonder who this Richard Gere lookalike in our story might be. Okay, let's move on to our next common expression. Here it is. For the next two hours, Lola and her best friend discussed everything that was happening in Lola's professional life. The article in CyberStory magazine, the interview with Interpol, the lawsuit from Texpania, the rejection by Banco Cantabrico, and the office politics of Cayetano Tolosa. Office politics exists in virtually all organizations. These are activities performed by individuals to improve their status and advance their personal agenda, often at the expense of other people within the company. Now, in my mind, office politics always has a negative connotation. It implies that somebody is trying to get something that they don't necessarily deserve. Now, in an ideal world, the right person is chosen for the right job, and the best person gets the promotion. But in the real world, office politics often means that that is not always the case. So in one of the US banks that I worked in, there was a huge amount of office politics. And this was because it was a highly competitive environment where the rewards for success were really high and the punishment for failure was quite severe. So people around me would make huge efforts to attach themselves to projects that were successful, even if they had little or no input into the success of the project. Do you know the kind of person I'm talking about? They also made huge efforts to distance themselves from failures, even if they were in some way responsible for that failure. Now, I wasn't very happy at this company and I didn't work there for very long because I couldn't deal with the office politics. Is there a lot of office politics at your company? How do you deal with it as an employee or as a manager? Okay, one final expression. Here it is. The waiter asked them if they would like some chupitos on the house, but they hadn't had a single drop of alcohol all evening, so they politely declined and asked for the bill. A chupito is a Spanish term for a digestive, a strong alcoholic drink that you have at the end of a heavy meal to aid with the digestion of the food. And it's normally served in a small shot glass or something similar, and examples include grappa, sambuca, limoncello, and many others. Now, there's a long tradition of drinking digestives in Europe, particularly in southern Europe, less so in the US and the UK, and it's considered a valuable way to extend a great meal with great company. Now, when the 
waiter says that the chupito is on the house, he means that the customer doesn't have to pay for it. The restaurant is offering it for free. It's a kind and friendly gesture to make it clear that the owner of the restaurant values the customer and their business. When was the last time you received a drink on the house? And with that question, we come to the end of today's episode. If you'd like to improve your advanced business English in a more structured manner, you can join Marina and me on our online platform. Just search Club Grattan on Google and you will find us. We hope that you will join us for the next episode of The Adventures of Lola Badiola. Until then, keep bringing English into your life. And remember, somewhere out there, maybe near or maybe far, is your lookalike, your doppelganger, your evil twin. <laughs>